I would say that whole site imaging gives you all the capabilities that you had before. But as I'm saying that, I'm thinking, hmm, what about frozen sections? Right. So maybe you can elaborate a little bit on who is whole slide imaging for and who is it not for? Sure. There are very good use cases for whole slide imaging, but you hit the nail on the head there by saying frozen sections or really anything that is a time constraint. So frozen section is the True. biggest use case. You can't you know, there are high throughput scanners that can scan a slide relatively quickly, but in those cases, right, the Aperios of the world, Hamamatsu, 3 Histex, these big name brands that are doing hundreds of slides, you're not going to interrupt the workflow of scanning 300 slides just to do one slide. There's a lot of use cases for whole slide imaging. But there's also still the need for some of these, either it's a streaming capability or a hybrid system, um, live remote control system, I should say. What I mean by hybrid is some of those live remote control systems also allow low throughput scanning. Learn about the newest digital pathology trends in science and industry, meet the most interesting people in the niche, and gain insights relevant to your own projects. Here is where pathology meets computer science. You are listening to the Digital Pathology Podcast with your host, Dr. Alexandra Zhurov. Welcome to the podcast. Today, my guest is Mike Miller, and Mike is the fourth generation working at his microscope company, iMillers. Hi, Mike. How are you today? Hey, Alex. Very good. Thanks for having me on today. Excited let's, for this. Let's start with you. Tell the listeners about yourself and about iMiller Microscopes. Okay. So myself, again, Michael Miller, based in Philadelphia. My company is a microscope sales and service company. All we do is specialize in the sale and service of IN optical instruments for a wide variety of brands. Uh, most importantly, and what we find to be uh, very proud of being able to offer our customers is Leica, but we sell, we've been doing it since 1936. So my great grandfather was the founder of the company. Started by just being a handyman doing uh, fixing and repairing instruments. Summarizing World War II came around, he was doing optical repair and, 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 and manufacturing for binoculars for World, the Navy in World War II. And then parlayed that into becoming a distributor for Bosch and Lum, one of the old original brands of microscopes back in the day. And over the past 50, 60 years, we've kind of parlayed that into and grown that into a uh, successful business here in Philadelphia. Pretty well known, very, very fortunate to be able to offer our customers a high-end optical instrument from Leica Microsystems. But we also sell and service many, many other brands, every brand make and model. And now, obviously, the purpose of this conversation is to talk about digital pathology. So we've exactly. expanded into everything there is to do with digital pathology. You have worked with both light and analog microscope systems and digital pathology analog systems for a long time. When did you start in the company? Like how uh, old were you? Yeah, it's hard to get a degree in optics. I mean, there's degrees in optics, but there's hard to get a you know a hands-on experience by just so I was very fortunate. My dad took me on the road with him. I just remember being in the cars with him, going to customers, tinkering around, probably more annoying than not asking questions, but just trying to learn back, you know, again, in high school, college, going on the road to hospitals, research labs. I mean, we do everything from your, your routine high school, middle school microscopes all the way up to, to high-end research and, and clinical pathology scopes. So uh, it's just been a fun ride. Uh, I've been around microscopes and microscopy since childhood. Yeah, essentially, yeah. I just remember my dad would have, you know, optics and parts at the house and stuff like that. So it was, it was always very exciting, very cool. And actually... Things come full circle really quickly. I remember back when I was with him, we were in a uh, morgue, I believe, or a gross room, and we saw some very exciting body parts that, you know, as some, some people would get grossed out from, but 
you and pathologists know it's part of the job. And then just the other day I was at a hospital and I saw similar body parts that I remember seeing back in high school with my dad on the gross room. So it's just, you never know what you're going to get into in this job. Yeah. So in the last, I would say 10 years, digital pathology boomed. And today, the purpose of this episode is to talk about different digital pathology systems. There are plenty of different systems from the very basic one to more advanced. And I wanted to ask you, Mike, what are those options? What what do we have out there? How can one do digital pathology in general? Sure. So digital pathology simply is creating a digital rendering of a slide. So in the basic form, what's been around for many, many years is a simple camera. I still have memories of 35 millimeter film cameras, the big big format cameras. You had an optical reticle to, ca- to know where you're capturing it, right? There was no readout to a screen like there is today. So it was simply image capture. Then, you know, technology, as I always like to say, technology in microscopy has been around to do the things that digital pathology is allowing us to do now for many years. So on the industrial side, XY stitching mechanical a motorized microscope to give large format uh, samples and you know essentially a slide has been around. It's just new to the clinical space, right? There's a lot of barriers to entry in clinical. There's a workflow of however many years the digital or a pathology department's been around. You have to implement new workflows and new new ways to do things. And of course, the validation is the biggest thing. So again, in the simplest form, it's just a camera connected to your microscope, some good imaging software, being able to adjust the image and capture it. And there you mm-hmm. have uh, you know an image. So that would be the basic option, camera and the microscope. Who's starting like that in your experience and who would you offer this to? Oh, uh, very good question. So in my experience, I mean, anything from just out of med school, you know, resident, uh, a lot of them are, are capturing images for learning purposes, presentations, just collaborations amongst people, just, you know, interesting cases. So, you know, the beginning of, of digital pathology would be a, a younger student, but anywhere up to a tenured attending, honestly, you know, capturing images for similar concepts of, of putting together presentations, uh, of course, tumor board meetings and conferences, you know, that can all be done with a base, not basic, a very nice camera on top of your microscope mm-hmm. with software to capture the image. Yeah. Now the price point of a microscope camera that has high resolution and high quality is a lot lower than even like five years ago. Yeah. So you need obviously the microscope and the camera, right? Do you need a trinocular microscope or can you use a normal binocular one? What are the basic options there? Sure, sure, very good question. So yes, there are many components to a microscope. So you need a trinocular head Mm -hmm. uh, for almost all manufacturers have mostly C-mounted cameras. What I mean by C-mount is on top of the trinocular head, you have an adapter. That adapter is called a Mm C-mount adapter and all microscope cameras, the nice thing about that is of course, brands want to keep a nice brand camera on their microscope, but it really gives you the ability to put any brand camera on any microscope. There are so many applications and so many needs and even more types of cameras. So trying to figure out the right camera is a topic for a different conversation. But yeah, so uh, essentially you need the camera, which attaches to the C-mount, and that's an industry standard threading is the C-mount. The other end, the flange mount needs to match the brand of the microscope and then the trinocular head to, to put all of that. Yeah. And then that's, that's really it. Uh, and then a computer... Um, nowadays, there are very nice cameras that have HDMI output. Some of those even have on-screen controls, so you can adjust your white balances, your brightness, and your, your gammas and gains and stuff like that simply on a, on a monitor without the need for a computer. So um, that's a really nice new kind of newer feature these days too. Mm-hmm. So I have used 
I have a trinocular microscope that, by the way, I bought by iMiller Microscopes. <laughs> Thank you. Thank and, you. and so I um, have that. And I also used a camera that you can just put into your ocular. You take out the ocular. So that's like even the more basic option, in my opinion. But the trinocular gives you the ability to just look at slides and not bother of um, taking the ocular in and out for the workflow definitely better. So yeah. That would be the basic. What's the next tier of digital pathology solutions? Sure. Real quick, just on that comment. Yes, there are many other ways mm -hmm. to use a camera, right? There are eyepiece cameras. But again, you mentioned a very good point is you lose the ability to look through the microscope. One thing that I actually give a, a microscopy 101 class to first-year residents and fellows and anybody that's willing to listen to me, honestly, at some of the hospitals in Philadelphia. And I always say, look through the eyepieces first, right? Being grown mm -hmm. up in optics, a lot of people are just more inclined to look at a screen these days. That's what we do every day. But I always say look through the optics. The camera can really enhance an image, but you don't want it to fake anything. So you want to be able to look through the eyepieces and really make sure that you're having an accurate representation. And that can kind of transition into our next topic is streaming cameras. So okay. if you, have a, you, know, you want to capture an image, uh, that's fine. But if you want to stream it, you need to make sure that you're streaming the image in a good way. One of those important things, going back to what I said, screen resolution, screen colors, that's more on the digital slide scanning thing. But it's such mm -hmm. a, an important part of, of digital pathology is ensuring that the screen that, that you're looking at is giving you an accurate representation of what the microscope is showing you. That's so an that's interesting whether... point because my first thought is, okay, I have to have a really good resolution, high resolution camera, but I guess it's not going to do me any good if my screen is poor resolution. Poor resolution and also the color. So you all okay. know maybe when you adjust colors or, or the, the modes on a TV, you know, you can do vivid, movie, warm, cold. That really impacts the way that the, especially a pathology slide is represented. So yeah, there, it's a big thing. We'll, we'll talk, let's, let's save that for the, the whole slide imaging. So going back to the, the streaming, we're doing this call, thankfully over Zoom. Nobody wanted COVID to happen, but it allowed us to all become comfortable on a computer. So the next step of digital pathology is streaming. Mm -hmm. Again, we have put together or, or with other uh, people in the industry have come up with a solution called telepathology or, or not well, telepathology is a well-known thing. Um, Real-time telepathology is just what we had named it back in the day. I should give credit to my father, Steve. He's the mm -hmm. one that really pioneered the technology. Um, That's basically where digital pathology started as telepathology. Mm -hmm. Correct. So yeah, many years, 10, 15 years ago, um, essentially, you had a, a camera that was put into a streaming device. So we used a very, very high-end uh, microscope camera, more of a surgical-grade camera, putting that feed into a, an encoder box and then plugging that into the network. And then it was streaming. It was streaming over the network with an IP address. Uh, very, very simple to use. Uh, one institution just in Philadelphia, University of Pennsylvania Hospital, had some 20 locations. They still use it every where they just simply had a list on their network and said, click this, click this camera to see the speed. So it's really, really simple when it's optimized. Again, a lot of barriers to entry, but that was streaming. Again, going back to Zoom, Teams, any other screen sharing program, we're now lucky that we can do that. And so really all you need is, again, a good microscope camera, good internet connection, very important, and you can do telepathology over streaming. Some limitations, honestly, as most people listening probably are pathologists and have experienced is that there's compression, there's lag, there's latency, nothing's mm -hmm. ever going to be perfect. But a streaming solution from our experience that's straight connected to the network is always going to be better than trying to do it over Zoom or Teams. So um, a camera is the first step. And then again, before we've historically used a separate box, of course, that adds mm -hmm. cost, that adds, that adds to the workspace. So we now have a camera that's really nice. It has multiple output modes. So it's a 4K camera. 
Um, it offers very, very stunning resolution images in USB, so you can do the Teams and Zoom with software. It even has HDMI output, so multi-use. So let's say in a gross room, you want to have an image up on a screen if the surgeon comes okay. up and looks at the, the nice monitor hanging on the wall, you have HDMI out. But again, this camera also has a network port built into it. So you simply plug it into the network and boom, you're streaming the image live. That can be something that's stationary. So again, at UPenn, we have a, a few of those that are now stationary. Again, they you know, have different FNA areas or different rapid onset evaluation places they can get to, and they need a dedicated solution there. Uh, other hospitals like at Temple University, uh, we just implemented two mobile carts. So what we did mm. was we actually mounted uh, very nicely and clean because you don't want anything to go missing, uh, mounted microscopes to the top of the cart and then have this camera built on top of that as well. Even created a, a laptop arm so they can actually pull up patient correct information and have everything right there on a nice little mobile cart. And the workflow for that is really simple. What we did is we put an outlet strip on there, they plug that in, everything powers on, then they plug the network cord into a dedicated network jack. And mm -hmm. it's a little bit technical, essentially a, an internet jack in the hospital um, that is secure, locked down, compliant, and very simple. As soon as that camera gets plugged into the network, pathologist clicks on a link that I set up on their desktop and boom, they're seeing a live image streaming. So that may say, oh, well, what's the difference between teams? Mm -hmm. One of the major differences is no computer needed. Now it's nice to have, a, okay. it's nice to have a TV or something there to see. So you can see as the person driving the microscope, what the remote person's seeing, but no computer needed, no need to create a team's meeting, invite the person, mm -hmm. accept mm -hmm. them, share your screen, do all of that. It's, it's just plug and play in that form. So who is the main user of this at the moment and who would you recommend? Sure. So the main users are going to be set of pathologists, you know, people who those are who are going out and doing the FNAs and on-site evaluation. It could be on site, it could be at a satellite location. So we're just fortunate in Philadelphia to be in a very condensed area, but there's many, many rural areas who pathologists drive two, four, five hours to go read a case. Mm -hmm. They don't necessarily need to do that now. Um, as long as you're on this main network, same network of the location you're trying to send the image to, then you just simply can do it over telepathology. So really the, the options are endless. The, the applications are endless. It doesn't have to be for psychology or on-site evaluation, but that's the main use case we're seeing it now, as well as people in more rural areas who now don't have to ship slides or drive back and forth. Mm -hmm. What about uh, frozen sections? Would that be an option for frozen sections or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we have yep. some plate. Yeah, of course, sure. So, you know, I mean, we have uh, several options. So maybe that's not the best for frozen sections. That's why I'm asking. No, we, mm -hmm. you know, this kind of goes into uh, the streaming capabilities into the next level, which is remote control microscopes. So I'll make two points on that comment. Okay. Um, uh, frozen section. So, yeah, so, so frozen section is certainly a good application, right? Most surgeries that require frozen sections happen between, let's say, nine and five or, you know, normal business hours, let's call it. But there are certain cases where, for instance, I just know the neurosurgeon at Penn just uh, really loves the streaming solution because those, from what I understand, I'm not a pathologist or a surgeon, but those can generally go a little bit longer. That makes sense. You don't want to mess up when you're operating on the mm -hmm. brain. High risk, high reward. So. Yes. So, uh, so for frozen sections, so yeah, so, so if those frozen sections happen to run late, uh, into the evening, as long as you can gain access, which everyone knows VPN or some sort of connection into the network, Citrix or WebEx or whatever it is, you can then be on the network to see the live streaming for frozen section cases. So that is mm -hmm. a very good use case. We're 
tapping into the hospital network, but we're outside of the hospital. And for the hospital network, you can be inside the hospital. You can see it from another woman. You don't have to do anything special for that. There are some IT things that need to be done, but again, not important for people to really realize that's what I, that's where my specialty comes in working with IT to Mm -hmm. ensure that it's a smooth uh, operation. And you do, you do work. I mean, IT is a huge, it's like the fundamental piece (laughs) of doing digital pathology without IT, like friend your IT people. Because otherwise you cannot do digital pathology. So good to know that you guys are working with IT and know how to sort out those things. That's important to have a vendor that can address those problems because there's always going to be troubleshooting. Oh, there's, yes. So part of my, uh, the quickest side, part of my job is I do everything. I mean, as we're a small family business, but we're very, Mm -hmm. you know, good at what we do and and, and pretty successful at doing that. So whether I do support for our sales reps, so we sell to many different divisions, demos, support, technical support, and stuff like that. I always like to be there. You always want to be the face of the customer. Of course, Mm -hmm. there's very good support from manufacturers, but just part of the mentality I have is being uh, grown into the family business is you, know, you got to be there. You got to answer the questions, especially on the pathology or the clinical side of things. Building those relationships, you know, pathologist departments, they don't buy cameras or microscopes every time they need a new one, right? A manufacturing line. Okay, we're ramping up. Let's buy more microscopes. But in pathology, it's maybe an eight to 10, 15 year cycle. So being there, mm-hmm. being the person they call is really important. And that's kind of our mentality. That was a quick aside. One more point I wanted to make is about the streaming before we move on with a good transition is streaming, again, requires someone at the local site to control the microscope. Mm-hmm. That's very important. So um, it requires a little bit of a learning curve to make sure that, A, you have a good streaming connection. That's why the, the connection is very important. It can't be any really lag or latency or compression. Mm-hmm. You require a, a phone call conversation to say to the person, okay, I've seen this area, move on, or, or so so on and so forth. So that's one of the downsides or, better, or things to overcome, I shouldn't say, of streaming is having someone there who's comfortable, who's confident, who can control the microscope. Now, I've heard from many people in many hospitals that there is a shortage for good cytotechs or good people uh, okay. you know, to go out in the field. So that's a good transition to uh, the next topic, which is uh, live remote microscopes. So that would be our third option. We had the basic, we had the basic plus with streaming, and now it's the live remote. Okay. Tell me about the live remote. Sure. So again, going back to what I said before, mm-hmm. uh, motorized microscopy has been done in many other different departments and divisions for many years. That's now becoming part of, uh, of, of clinical. Mm-hmm. And it's a little bit different. So there are some basic routine microscopes that you would see in a pathology department that has the that, that adaptation of a motorized stage and a motorized D and a motorized nose piece. But a lot of companies are now kind of vying for that space as it's becoming more prevalent of becoming a live remote controlled microscope. Okay. Um, so we offer our customers a few solutions. Of course, some manufacturers sell direct, some go through distributors like us. So we can offer what we can offer. And we think we have a couple of very good solutions, but essentially it allows, as long as you can connect and control someone else's computer, you can then control the microscope. There's no secret sauce there. Some companies do have a dedicated streaming solution built in, but this is a nice thing for two reasons or, or having it done this way is nice for two reasons. One is, again, you actually, we talked about being inside of the hospital network, right? When you're streaming an image through the network, you have to be in the hospital network. In Mm -hmm. a live remote controlled system, there's really no limit. So TeamViewer, Zoom, Teams, any of these screen sharing programs that allow someone to assign the remote person mouse controls allows them to control their computer. So essentially, I have my hardware connected to a computer. Some have them controlled over the internet, but hardware connected to a computer or internet, and then giving someone at a remote site mouse controls of my computer, they then can control the software in every which way. 
I know this screen controlling again from IT troubleshooting. They always want to remote into your computer. So you're basically doing the same and you are moving the stage through the computer as a pathologist or whoever is evaluating the slide. Okay, fantastic. So, yeah, so who uses it now and um, who would you recommend it for? In that case, we're getting into really anybody that has the need to do a remote pathology consult. You know, there are, we have to talk about the FDA regulations and I'm not here to say what's right or what's wrong. There are ways you can internally validate a system to use them. But of course, uh, for whole slide scanning, which is the last topic, there are FDA approvals that are required. But mm -hmm. for live remote control and streaming, there is a way to internally validate it. So really, once you do that, anybody can do it for consults, for second opinions, for tumor boards. Uh, you mm -hmm. would know, I guess, as a pathologist, a little bit more than I would. But yeah, it, it allows really at that point, right? We talked about needing someone on site. You still need someone there, but all they have to do is load the slide. Um, okay. So, so this is kind of a hybrid system. It's a remotely controlled system. It's just simple, real quick. There's no need to scan an, a slide in to then manipulate it. It's real time. So it's not to document and create a backlog of all your cases. It's more, again, to take the next step. You're streaming. Yeah, really like that capability. You see uh, value in that. Let's jump to the next step, having a remotely controlled microscope that somebody or anybody can control. As I like to say, you can be on the beach in Hawaii. As long as you have a good internet connection, you can control and sign out your cases you know, or do consults. Mm -hmm. Something that comes to my mind with this system would be remote areas. Is this a good application or the previous applications are better? Oh, no, um, that's a very good question. So we've mm -hmm. been, con I was uh, contacted with someone in a very, who was looking to implement uh, digital pathology in very remote places. Now, one of the things that- How are, remote? Uh, Where was that? Uh, if you can say. Very, I can say, I just, I would have to think of a country that they were trying to put this in. It was some, uh -huh. maybe a 50,000 people like South, um, Asian Pacific, uh, South Pacific Islands, stuff like that. Oh, really, wow. Really remote, okay. Yeah. Really remote locations. Now there was, you know, we don't have to talk about that too much, but, you know, places where if something broke, it'd be about a week just to get there. Is what okay. told me. So there was, you know, it can't fail. There's, they don't have to have a backup plan. But point is, yes. Now there's costs, you know, costs go up as we talk about a basic camera, then streaming, which can be done with some basic cameras, then live remote controlled system, cost goes up significantly. So there are some decent systems that are, you know, sub 50K that allows live remote for one slide, couple slides at a time, which is good enough. So, you know, you're not talking about whole slide imaging and, and, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars, but cost is, is one of the things to consider when mm -hmm. you're talking about a live remote controlled system. Again, good internet, uh, honestly, good electricity, you need, you need to power these systems. So it depends on how remote these areas really can be. Mm -hmm. So obviously, as we talk about those different options, the cost uh, increases with the complexity and with the capabilities. Can you say what like ballpark, what range that would be for the basic, for the second one and for the third one. And then host like imaging is big range from depending how many, but the first three options, what would that be? Yeah. So basic cameras, uh, again, there's so many options out there from a couple hundred dollar, more of a hobbyist, more of an entry level camera to for pathology, you know, you can get into the eight, $10,000 range. Um, mm -hmm. At that point, you're really talking about a low light fluorescent grade camera. Yeah, between, you know, a good microscope camera for clinical pathology really is about three to $6,000 depending. Okay. And some of them offer modular based solutions where you have to pay extra for certain features. So if you're just looking to do image capture and maybe an annotation or a scale bar, sure, that's usually included, but there's so many options. It really just depends. We used to, I mentioned before, we used to have to do live view which is mm -hmm. just HDMI mm -hmm. with some output or image capture, which was, you know, with the software to a computer. 
Now with these newer cameras, we have everything in one. So the streaming HDMI. Okay. So those, you know, it just depends. A couple thousand dollars is really all you need to even do the streaming. There's, you know, and then uh, remote control systems, again, some of the ones that we offer that a lower slide capacity, you know, you're talking maybe $20,000. Mm-hmm. Some of them go up to 50, even 70,000, but all of these for a decent remote control system is, is under 70,000. Okay. So, yeah, and, that's and a reasonable investment for an institution. Right. And that's just the hardware cost. Of course, you know, implementation. No, there's not much cost associated with that, right? Your IT is already on staff, so you're not paying them extra help to get this set up. But there's, you know, the learning curve, the time, you know, mm-hmm. time is money. So there's, there's, there's a lot that goes into it. So we already mentioned several times the whole slide scanning. That's our last most expensive option. Let's talk about how whole slide imaging compares and contrasts uh, to the previous options that we talked about. And I would say that whole slide imaging gives you all the capabilities that you had before. But as I'm saying that, I'm thinking, what about frozen sections? So maybe you can elaborate a little bit on who is whole slide imaging for and, and who is it not for? Yeah. So yes, there are very good use cases for whole slide imaging, but you hit the nail on the head there by saying frozen sections or really anything that is time time constrained. So frozen section is the biggest use case. You can't, you know, there are, there are high throughput scanners that can scan a slide relatively quickly, but in those cases, right, the Aperio, Hamamatsu, 3D Histex, these big name brands that are doing hundreds of slides, you're not going to interrupt the workflow of scanning 300 slides just to do one slide. So there Mm -hmm. are some use cases for uh, whole slide imaging, there's a lot of use cases for whole slide imaging. There's also still the need for some of these, either it's a streaming capability or a hybrid system, live remote control system, I should say. What I mean mm-hmm. by hybrid is some of those live remote control systems also allow low throughput scanning. So there okay. Is, uh, oh, so we even have a transition between the third and the fourth tier. Okay. So, so again, uh, just another uh, customer to Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, they have a couple of perio systems and they're now looking to, to find a lower throughput uh, system that simply is there when they need it, right? They're not, again, going to uh, stop their, their system from scanning their hundreds of slides because it's either for trying to clean up and, and get rid of the warehouses that have slides sitting in somewhere or just simply being able to document things and input it into patient records or being able to pull up whole slide scans with patient information if, if the case uh, is needed. Mm-hmm. But again, there's times where they need to scan a slide for teaching purposes, for tumor board meetings, for interesting cases, or simply just they need a scan to slide and they don't want to go break down and wait for their system to be done. They pop one on this lower throughput scanner and boom, they're done. There's a need for high throughput as well as lower throughput. Some places find a middle ground, some places go with the high throughput and a low throughput. So if an institution is thinking, okay, shall we get a whole slide scanner or not? Do you have a list of questions that they should ask themselves? Okay, do we really need it? Or maybe we should go with something else? Or what would you recommend them to ask themselves? I'll have to kind of say that my specialty is the first three topics that we talked about, um, Mm -hmm. simply because of one reason is that most whole slide scanners of high throughput and good quality sell them direct and not through distributors like me. So I'm not upset with that. I'm happy to play in my stand my ground of where I know and what I know well. So, but there are, uh, there's a lot of things to consider. So cost is one of the biggest things. We talked about monitors. So in a, in a truly FDA approved whole slide scanner, the whole system has to be as it was FDA approved. Meaning mm-hmm. if they make any implementation, uh, any changes, any upgrades, you really can't implement those changes or upgrades 
because if that's not part of the FDA approved system. So at some institutions, they're spending more money than you would think on monitors just because they have to be pixel calibrated, every Mm -hmm. pixel and every color. We have some research customers that have a live remote system. One of the things that they had overcome was the pathologists at home had different monitor resolutions and different colors. So the colors that they were expecting to see from their optical microscope was not what was transmitting over the streaming solution. So there is that concern and that's why whole slide imaging, you know, has a lot of things that go into it. So no, those are a couple of things to consider. The infrastructure. We all think that, you know, with our phone, we have however many photos or pictures or things saved. There's a very big difference between a, a, a picture or a video that you can take on your phone and a whole slide scan. That's usually done at 40 or 400x magnification across a large slot. I always give the analogy, okay, one whole slide can be as big regarding data as a two-hour HD movie. Yep. So that's, yep. that's like, I don't know, that's uh, in my mind, it shows the scale, how big of a, how data rich this file is. Right. And if you're processing hundreds of slides a day, then yeah, you need the infrastructure. So, you know, there are many companies that, that are, that are in the space of, of the implementation, the optimization of, you know, taking the whole slide scan, working with it, how is it going to be stored? How is it going to adapt with your patient information system? So again, that's, that's what they do and that's what they specialize in. And I will leave it to the professionals in that aspect. But yeah, so, so again, whole slide imaging, as I say, Digital pathology has been here for years, right? 15, 20 years, we've had cameras, but it's still maybe 15, 20 years away from fully being implemented where you and I may not have a job anymore because it's scanned in, it's seen by AI, and then it's just simply screened maybe by a pathologist or two. But again, that's, that's the vision of the future. Everyone has a good vision of the future, but we have to stand our ground now and do what we can do with the technology we have today. And that's what we talked about. Mm -hmm. So if I would be to recap that, I would say, okay, there is a lot of upfront investment for uh, whole slide imaging. Is the benefit going to outweigh the investment? And then, you know, you go into all the different aspects of, okay, what do you do? What do you need to do to have this functional? Cost benefits analysis, right? So you're paying a driver to drive slides, you're shipping slides, you're paying a pathologist to walk across the hospital. Those are all things that can easily be combated with streaming or a a remote controlled system. And then whole slide imaging completely takes uh, it to the next level of of having you have that whole physical slide rendered in a a, a digital form for you to do what you want with it. So, yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for joining us today. And thank you for walking us through all the different tiers of digital pathology. The caveat, you can start with a couple hundred dollars and the whole slide imaging is not the only way you can do digital pathology. Right, right. Yeah, and and one last point is there's even now Mm -hmm. live software that will build and stitch an image, right? So you can actually, it's a lot labor intensive. We forgot about that real quick. It's labor intensive and you have to physically stitch up, down, left, right but it will build a whole slide. Uh, and then you can hone in on different areas at high magnification. So there is ways to create whole slide scans with a lot less cost. But again, it's, it's just some of those are, are maybe good for teaching and learning purposes, but you know, to implement somebody sitting there all day driving a microscope slide, who's not a pathologist getting, you know, earning a living doing that, it's a little bit challenging. No, so thank you for the time. I appreciate you. You're a customer of ours as well. Appreciate your purchase there. Hopefully you're loving your, your little Leica microscope there. I do. Um, beautiful system, so. Before we leave, before we go, um, let the listeners know where they can find you online. And also tell me, do you have options for the first three tiers that are your favorite options that you sell at iMiller Microscopes. And I'm going to link to those particular things in the show notes. 
Sure. Yeah. So uh, again, I'm Miller. We're based in Philadelphia, but we cover essentially upstate New York down to DC. We have sales reps that do that. Love great team of sales reps to cover that territory. Again, there's a lot more uses of microscopes besides clinical pathology, industrial manufacturing, all that. So that's one of our main focuses, educational and stuff like that. In the Philadelphia area is where we really cover the clinical market really nice, but we're expanding. So anybody's, we're, we're looking for people. Uh, <laughs> this is a free ad. No, we're, we're, but anyway, in all seriousness. So uh, imillermicroscopes.com. Um, that website, we just have kind of about us, who we are, some of the products we offer. And, and then uh, we also have a micro, uh, website called microscopecentral.com. So we have a whole new part of our business that my brother and I created. It's a website. We sell everything from the hobbyist level microscopes up to the high-end systems on there. New, used, refurbished. So microscopecentral.com and, and imillermicroscopes.com. As far as the basic, again, there's many, many different brands of cameras. So all the Tell me our favorite. We have some new cameras that are 4K cameras. Our Path 4K is our leading clinical cell um, camera right mm-hmm. now. That's the camera I kept referencing with HDMI, USB, network, even as Wi-Fi. 4K resolution, stunning quality. It's called Path so 4K. So that would be this tier two that we talked about, right? One and two. So that's a- One and two. Okay, so go. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. Actually, we talked about frozen sections. That's 10. They have one where it's HDMI to a screen, USB to the computer, and plugged into the network for streaming. So that covers, you know, those three areas. Live remote control, uh, the brands that we can offer is Modic. Modic has a really Mm -hmm. nice system called the EasyScan. They have a couple different throughput options of that, a single slide, a six slide, and more of a high-end, higher throughput competition. And then they have their live frozen section, live module, which gives you that remote control on top of their scanner solution. Um, Pressy Point, that's a German-based company, breaking into the U.S. pretty nicely recently. They're actually just had a call with them. They're planning some really nice things for 2022 with some new streaming solutions, some better scanning solutions. So that's a product that we can offer. A couple more here or there, but you know we like to keep our our ears and eyes open. So if there's any other products out there, you know, a nice thing about being a distributor is we have the ability to see what really fits our customers' needs and take that on as a product. So mm-hmm. that's how we operate. Okay, I'm going to link to the three products in the show notes. And thank you so much. Have a great day. Thank you. You too. Thanks for listening. For more great digital pathology resources, visit the Digital Pathology Place website and subscribe to our newsletter on digitalpathologyplace.com. After subscribing, you will get access to the free Digital Pathology Crash Course, which will help you start working on your digital pathology projects immediately. Talk to you in the next episode.